Thanks so much for checking out this podcast from Anchor Church Southwest. We really hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources, or info, please check out our website, anchorchurch.com.au. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for enough health and energy to be here. Uh, We again want to um, remember uh, our brothers and sisters around the world who aren't able to meet like this today, and we ask that you would be with us. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, So I'll be speaking from the Gospel of John today. So uh, John chapter 1, just a couple verses. We're going to be carrying on from last week, and this is the word of the Lord. John chapter 1 from verse 10 says this, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen him and seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so today we have a family service, so I hope uh, that uh, background noise doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, But uh, last, yesterday, I was going to say last week, but we were here not even 24 hours ago, uh, we asked the question, why Christmas? Why is Christmas important? We learned that before we enjoy uh, the more festive and largely cultural elements of Christmas, which are good, the, the presents and the trees and the cherries and the Christmas ham, I tell you, like I put a like shrimp or prawns went out of like existence yesterday with me at the table, right? So I'm not, I'm not there to not enjoy the cultural elements of Christmas. But before we enjoy that, we need to come to grips with some pretty dark realities, the realities that exist in the world and in our hearts that make Christmas not only possible but necessary. Uh, uh, we spoke yesterday about the reality that uh, we are thrown into a thick darkness and this uh, uh, anything that we find in the world cannot fix the world, And yet Isaiah says this, the prophet, eight centuries before Jesus came, says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You see, Christmas, we learned yesterday, was about admitting that things really are that bad. Nevertheless, there is hope. And Christmas is God's nevertheless to the hopelessness of the world. And it's uh, uh, within Christmas comes wrapped an invitation for us that I want to offer you today. But before we do that, I'm going to pray one more time and then we're going to get back into it. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Now, we thank you again for the, the grace and the mercy that is Christmas. We thank you uh, that you did not leave us to our own devices, but you've come to rescue us. And you've come to rescue us in a way that no one could ever expect, no one could ever uh, uh, guess, deduce. Lord, you are mysterious and you are glorious and you are all wise and powerful. And so we thank you that the all wise and powerful God chose to become weak and vulnerable for our sake and for our salvation. And so we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And the church said... I remember the first time, I grew up in New York City, if we haven't met, um, uh, I remember the first time that I left New York City to go to upstate New York uh, to this retreat center there, and it's the first, I, I was 18, 19 years old, first time I'd ever been outside of 
the city. And it was an amazing experience when I looked up because I looked up and I swear I thought I was wrong. I saw stars for the, almost for the very first time. I mean, in New York City, you'd see a star here and there, the, the Big Dipper, maybe on a clear, super clear night. Uh, but the light pollution in big cities, as you would know, is, uh, is thick. And so you can't see much. The Canary Islands were named the darkest place on earth, and it's the place that has the least amount of, of light pollution. And in New York City, this was a typical night, right? Now, I didn't live in New York City. I lived in Brooklyn. So whatever I did you think I had growing up, that's not my experience. Uh, but looking into the city, uh, that's basically the sky that you would see. Maybe, again, you'd see one or two stars on a very dark night. Now, this is a picture uh, taken in the Canary Islands. This is... Uh, a typical photo, pardon the watermark there, uh, but this was taken at the Roque de los Muchachos Observatory in the Canary Islands. It's about 100 kilometers off the northwest coast of Africa. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Can you spot a difference in these two photos, right? New York and 100 kilometers off of northwest Africa. In order, uh, uh, and we, what we have to understand is that uh, when you uh, enter into New York City or, or Sydney or Los Angeles or any big cities with a lot of light pollution, it's not that the stars turn down, right? They, they don't realize where you are uh, via GPS and say, okay, let's just turn this down just a bit. It's because of the light pollution that gets in the way that we can't really see the true light that is there. It's not that the objects and the stars and the moons and the galaxies turn down their brightness when you go into cities. It's that the pollution from the cities obscure the true light. And in order for us to then appreciate and see the true light, we must come face to face with darkness. We must enter into a dark place if we're going to see the true light. And when that happens, when, when we refuse to do that, when we refuse uh, to face reality, uh, we miss out on the invitation that Christmas actually has for us. The invitation that I want us to meditate on, the invitation that I want to offer you if you do not consider yourself a, a follower of Jesus here today. And it's simply and profoundly this truth that God has invited you and, and, and I, I, maybe you've been around church for a while, and when you hear the you, you're thinking about the person next to you. I'm speaking to you, that God has invited you into, and is inviting you now into this relationship of becoming a child of God. And this is a divine mystery that confronts us, the divine mystery that confronts us this Christmas season. And the first thing we're going to notice as we look at the scripture passage that was read, uh, that we left off yesterday, is that things don't look too good for us. Come back with me to the text. He was in the world. Speaking of Jesus, he was in the world, uh, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. If there's a parenting text, it's this one, right? It's like you, you, you make your kids, and yet oftentimes they don't, they don't receive you, right? It just imagine, imagine creating a world, creating uh, uh, the, the, the beauty that is our earth, and then be re being rejected by those that you've gifted that to. Just imagine if last night uh, your kids or your family members, your cousins, your mom, your dad opened the presents and just rejected them outright. Im imagine the feeling that you would feel. Think, this is what I think John is saying here. 
That our natural disposition towards God is to not receive him, is that of rejection. Our posture, our natural posture as humans is to not want God. There's no desire, there's no intrinsic motivation to pursue God. In fact, throughout the entire witness of scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we're told again and again and again and again and again that there's this enmity, there's this battle between us and God. And this is what we need to come to grips with this morning before we move on. I'm just bridging from yesterday yesterday is that we are not in and of ourselves good people. I said it on Christmas Day. There's going to be other bad words that I'm going to say on Christmas Day. So let's just, let's just reckon with the fact uh, that we are not good people. Let's deal with it. Let's come to terms with the reality that there's nothing in us that wants to pursue God. In fact, this is how Paul puts it. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Paul is using very specific language. There is a very good Greek word for sick, which he doesn't use. He uses the word dead, necros, dead, dead to the things of God, dead to the things of eternal life. For all have sinned. And it's easy to speak in generalities here today, uh, but I want us to speak very specifically that we have all fallen short. Just like our first parents, we've chosen to walk away from the giver of life. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And the question is, do we realize that this morning? As we walked in, do we realize that that's our natural posture towards God? Do we understand that a life lived apart from Jesus will be an eternity lived apart from Jesus. That's just the natural progression of life. It really is this bad. Nevertheless, there's a, there's a divine but, B-U-T. There's a divine but, nevertheless. In the Greek, it's two letters. In English, it's three but. And it is one of the most powerful words that you would ever read in Scripture. Jesus was rejected by the world. Yes, he was rejected by his own people. But... The world was plunged into a thick darkness, nevertheless, but you may be experiencing some deep physical or psychological uh, uh, trauma. I understand that Christmas is not all uh, uh, bright for everyone. We, We acknowledge that. We don't deny that, but you may be experiencing loneliness that is draining every ounce of energy that you have left. But you may be battling some, uh, 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 some addiction or patterns in your life, but you may have just be about done with Jesus and church, but. And this is the word that John tells us here in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There is hope. Christmas makes possible what is utterly impossible in our own strength. So we come here not as strong people. Listen, I understand. I understand. This is almost like something. It's Monday. It's, it's Christmas church. We come. We, we get. We put our best. I put my Jordan 4s on. That never happens. It happens once a year. We put our best on. We put our best foot forward. But this is a place where we come not to show off our strength, but to admit our weakness. This is what God, God, this is what God became. This is, this is not a distraction. This is not a distraction to the sermon. This is an illustration. Thank you. We we must reckon with the reality that this is what God chose to become for us. I want to make it plain. 
That to become a child of God is no small thing. It is a miraculous event. To become a child of God, the invitation of Christmas, uh, it, it means that we're transferred from the domain and the dominion of death into the domain and dominion of light. To become a child of God means that we participate in a new humanity. To become a child of God means that we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. To become a child of God is the ultimate invitation to come back home. It means that we have a whole new vision for what life is and what life is for, that we unashamedly and unreservedly pledge allegiance to King Jesus. In other words, to become a child of God is to become a follower of Jesus, to become a disciple. We then get to partner with God as he renews all things, and it begins in a dirty, dusty manger. This is what we have to come to grips with, that it's not going to happen on Capitol Hill. It's not going to happen in the halls of power. It happens in a dirty, dusty, old manger because there was no room. We need to be clear on just one thing, that all of this is from God. I want to go back to verse 12 real quick. But to all who did receive him, that is Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so the question, how then, uh, what John is, is unpacking for us is how then do we become children of God? It is not by blood. No one here who claims the name of Jesus was born a Christian. Even if my prayer for my own children is that they would not know a day without the love of Christ. They were not born Christian. You must be born again. Belief is not transferred via biology. And many of us have grown up thinking that we're Christian simply because we go to church or simply because our parents or our grandparents were Christian. Each and every one of us has had to have had a personal encounter with the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've all, like Moses, have to encounter a burning bush. We all, like Elijah, have to listen to this small, still voice. None of us inherits belief from our parents. It's not biologically that we become children of God. We cannot educate ourselves into the kingdom of God. We cannot get ourselves into the kingdom of God via our own good deeds or righteousness. We cannot get ourselves into the good graces of God by our own merit. And when we face Jesus one day, we cannot say, but I was a part of a church, but I served, but I gave, I contributed. None of that will save you. We are not children because of what we've done. We are children because of what God has done. And this is, this is the apex. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the word that created the world. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of one, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the divine mystery. This is the divine paradox. Another translation will say that God moved into the neighborhood. Think about that. That God moves into the neighborhood. He took off his visible glory and put on visible flesh. The ineffable became effable. God translates himself. I don't know how he did it, but he translates himself into human DNA. The uncontainable becomes contained. And Christmas reminds us that for us and for our salvation, the impenetrable became weak. A God who chose to be wrapped in amniotic fluid for nine months. A God who can get hurt. A God who got rejected. A God who became vulnerable for you. A God who uh, came with an umbilical cord. A, a, a God who comes covered in vernix. A, a God who is with us, Emmanuel. And if you can uh, uh, summarize the whole of the scripture, 66 books, it's God with us. From Genesis to Revelation, is God with us in the garden. He walked with our first parents. 
In the tabernacle, he was uh, present in the ark. In the land, he was present through the temple. In the church, he's present through his people as they have the spirit of God and the invitation for you now. And this is a real invitation. is for you to become a part of the good news. The thing that we need most is good news. Good news that God came in the flesh. Good news that, that, that Jesus, when they went to the temple, sounded like this. It was, it was noisy. It, 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 was, it, was, it was erratic. Right? Ch- children, they do whatever they want. Right? And, and God came into this world to be that. And so children are never a distraction. They, they're an invitation to meditate on the truest thing in the world, that God loves you so much that he chose to become one of us. Good news. Christmas brings the light in the world that is shrouded in darkness. Good news. Christmas shows us that it is good to be vulnerable because that is where grace and strength are found. It's good news. Christmas reminds us that the body is good, that your body, your flesh is good because God came to save not only our souls and our minds, but our bodies. Good news. Christmas reminds us That to be mighty in the kingdom looks radically different than what we uh, think and what our culture uh, 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 dictates to us. Just think about this reality. That God, God, God needed baby wipes. God needed to have his nappy changed. I'm not trying to uh, like scandalize anyone. This is just the truth. That God came and he had to grow up. He had to learn how to feed and eat and and walk. God God had to learn how to walk. I just thought about that. That's wild. And it's good news because this reality opens up for us a whole new world. Jesus coming into the world signals the coming of the death of death. Jesus coming into the world signals that the powers and the principalities that have held this world captive are about to be dethroned. Jesus coming into the world signals a whole new world coming into existence. Jesus coming into the world means that there is new life even in the middle of the present evil age of death. And so this is my hope. I'm done. I'm going to invite the band up. I'll put you through enough. This is my hope for 2024, is that you would, you would lean into this reality, that you would, you would not forget the reality that God came to save you, that he came to rescue you, and, and he didn't come to do it with chariots and swords, but he, but he came to do it as a, as a child. Why do you think, if you know the story, uh, 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 the nativity story, why do you think that King Herod wanted to kill a child? Because he knew the threat. He knew the threat that the coming of the king would give him and his kingdom. God has come to make a new world. And the question is, are we going to say yes to this invitation and become a child of God? May we say with Mary this year, may it be done to me according to your word. This is my hope this Christmas. A bright light has come into the world and I pray that would come into your life this morning. Listen, we love you. I love you as your pastor, those visiting I like you too, a lot, right? Uh, But it's such a joy to to be able to stand here week by week and be able to open up the reality. Like this, this is this is mystery, and and I'm I feel like I'm trying to like wrangle a mystery, and, and we have to search for words to do it. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would settle on you right now and you would, you would get a glimpse of what he went through to become one of us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that 
um, you decided to come near. You decided to move into the neighborhood, as it were. Uh, you decided to put on flesh. And, and we don't pretend to understand this. We, 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 we don't pretend to understand the, the intricacy of what it means for you, Jesus, to have put on humanity. And even now, you are reigning and ruling on the throne as fully human and fully God. We do not understand this, and yet we worship. And so help us, Lord, for those who may be far, may you bring them near. And we ask that you would do a mighty work in the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us grace, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.